Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Music Therapy and Beyond. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to make a big announcement to start off 2022. Music Therapy and Beyond is launching a brand new website. Check out musictherapyandbeyond.com for all things podcast and more. You can find all the resources and content we share as we develop our brand supporting music therapy. We're working behind the scenes to bring more surprises this spring, but first things first, check out our new hub for all things music therapy and beyond. Today, we're going to be looking at music therapists as clients, therapy seeking and utilization of personal therapy by music therapists. This article was written by Claire Kendrick, MMMTBC, out of Sam Houston State University. The author investigated factors related to music therapists seeking out therapy for themselves as they're exposed to various risk factors as musicians and allied health professionals. I felt that it would be a great way to start the new year by talking about mental health support for music therapists. So let's dig into today's learning segment. Again, the author notes that music therapists are prone to several mental health risk factors. As a helping professional, we are prone to compassion fatigue and burnout, while doubling as professional musicians puts us at an increased risk of depression, anxiety, and high rates of stress. To quote the article, compassion fatigue is characterized by feelings of stress and lack of empathy for others following exposure to those who have experienced trauma or are in distress. Burnout is a syndrome consisting of feelings of emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and reduced personal accomplishment, end quote. As musicians, music therapists are at high risk for musculoskeletal injury and vocal injury in particular, with high rates of injury occurring amongst music therapists. One statistic noted that as many as one-third of music therapists experience pain when performing on a consistent basis. I would propose that those numbers, that statistic rather, is probably underreported as well. So we can easily be causing injury with poor playing and singing technique and posture and overusing our voices without proper support. Maybe you're like me and need to be reminded that being in pain is not normal, especially if you're singing and playing instruments. So if this is a consistent occurrence, I would say it is time to investigate and possibly seek some education um, on how to diagnose the issue and improve your movements or technique to prevent it. So maybe that is seeing a doctor or a physical therapist um, or a vocal coach. But knowing that injury or pain and depression are positively correlated, combined with statistics of burnout, could lead to a high number of music therapists with acute mental health needs. One other unique risk factor that we often face as music therapists is a lack of occupational support, which again contributes to burnout and music therapy attrition. So the author of the article created a survey to gather information from the field about demographic information and 17 research question-related items on the survey. 
These research questions for this article were as follows. One, what percentage of music therapists currently attend therapy as a client or patient? Two, what percentage of music therapists have attended therapy at any point during their career? Three, what types of therapies do do music therapists utilize? Four, for what reasons are music therapists attending therapy? And five, are there differences in therapy-seeking behaviors dependent on gender identification or theoretical orientation? So in light of the possible negative side effects of mental health professionals, and perhaps because they understand the importance of mental health, mental health professionals tend to seek out therapy at higher rates than the average population. Approximately up to 90% of mental health professionals have sought out therapy for themselves at least once in their career. I will also note that these statistics for seeking out therapy are typically higher for women than for men. Now, the author received over 1,000 responses to the survey that they sent out, which is about 10% of the licensed music therapists in the U.S. at the time of the survey. Of these responses, they were able to use exactly 945 surveys for data collection. Over half of the respondents were women, and the average age was 36. All regions of AMTA were represented in the responses. And equal numbers of participants noted bachelor's degrees and master's degrees as their highest level of education, um, with a handful of um, PhD-level music therapists as well. And the experience range of the therapists was between 2 and 10 years. 932 respondents answered the questions about therapy, and 38% of those responses indicated that they were currently in therapy at the time of the survey. Of the 61% that indicated they were not in therapy, almost half of those 61% indicated that they wished they were receiving therapy services. The survey showed that by far, the most common type of therapy being utilized was talk therapy or counseling. The second highest listed was creative arts therapies, and the third place prevalence was family, couples, or relationship counseling. One interesting side note that I found from the data that they collected on this um, was that under the creative arts therapies, um, the Bonnie method of guided imagery and music and music therapy were the top fill-in answers for those who utilized creative arts therapies. So of the second highest category, of music therapists receiving services from creative arts therapies, body method, and just general music therapy were the top answers. Of the MTBCs that were currently in therapy, quote, the most commonly reported reasons for past therapy attendance were to manage a mental illness, develop personal insight, and manage mental health concern. End quote. Now, of those who stated that they wished to be in therapy, they listed their reasoning as, quote, the most common reasons were to manage mental illness, develop personal insight, and to manage mental health concern. So kind of the same reasons as those who were currently in therapy, but sub-reasons also included wanting to experience the therapeutic process. Now, at the very end of the survey, Um, There was one final question that was an open-ended question to allow respondents to share comments for the researcher. 
The majority of these responses related to the participant's view of therapy. And again, these were all voluntary. There was no prompt. So of the, those responses, um, two common themes emerged when reviewing them. The most, common, the most common theme was a belief that personal therapy is helpful, needed, or necessary in order to be an effective music therapist. The second most common theme was that therapy was a positive, helpful, or beneficial experience to the participants' personal lives. And since I mentioned the fifth research question um, was regarding differences in therapy-seeking behaviors dependent on gender identification or theoretical orientation, the author of the article actually didn't find super significant um, differences based on gender identification or theoretical orientation. So while that kind of wraps up the summary of the article, um, and it is a great starting point for collecting data and for more research into this topic, specifically for music therapists. Um, and that was kind of the the way that the author ended the article by saying that this was um, a great starting point, um, but there is definitely more research that needs to be done. I personally think it would be valuable to see more music therapy specific mental health resources for professionals. Um, in my research and in the resources that I am sharing with you in the description for this episode, I found that a lot of other mental health professions have um, resources specifically designed for them. There are lots of books and textbooks and workbooks and websites and support groups and um, the list kind of goes on and on and on. But for music therapists specifically, there were fairly limited resources. Um, that I found anyways. And um, if anybody listening knows of any, I would love for you to send them my way um, so that we could continue to share those as well. But it's January now, and we all know that most people um, are not able to keep up with their New Year's resolutions, if that's something that you do. So rather than setting goals that you may not be able to reach, uh, I'm kind of challenging you with the question, why not invest some attention to your mental health? Perhaps this is the year that you learn to prioritize your mental health and seek out counseling or therapy for yourself. It's often said that you can't pour from an empty cup, and for music therapists, that empty cup can mean a lot of different things. And the resources for this episode, we're going to share some um, some links and things that may be a good starting point to understand your own personal need for support because that looks different for every single person and maybe there are some areas where you feel supported and other areas that you don't. So maybe take some time to think about what your needs are and kind of identify those first. I've got some books, blog posts, e-courses, hello CMTEs, and websites with lists of resources like I said, a lot of these are not specifically designed for music therapists, but they're still applicable and valuable and worth um, checking out for sure. So whether that's seeking out therapy or taking an e-course, start somewhere and make some small steps toward consistency because that's the number one thing. Mental health and burnout are things that don't happen overnight and undoing the effects or addressing them doesn't happen overnight either. It's much better to be proactive than reactive with this. And I think, too, it's important to practice what we preach. 
So if you're looking for a really basic way to start, because sometimes that's the hardest part, try doing what you teach your clients to do. And that sounds really simple, but I remember when it like occurred to me, hey, I feel a need in this area. What if I literally did what I just taught my client to do when they're experiencing the same thing? Crazy, right? It kind of blew my mind. And I was like, why didn't I ever think about this? Because I teach people to do stuff like this all the time. Uh, Why don't I do what I create for them? So try doing what you teach your clients to do. Take, take a dose of your own metaphorical medicine, if you will, and practice creating that lyric collage or practice some improvisation. If it works for others, it can work for us too. And if you're really curious about receiving music therapy specifically, start with some online research. Even if you can't find someone in your area, many music therapists are offering remote services now. So perhaps you've always wanted to experience Bonnie method of guided imagery and music. Maybe now is the time. And if music therapy is not something that you want, many, many talk therapists are also working via Zoom. And I'm sure you've heard a million podcast ads for better help or headspace. So in this day and age, your options are so much broader than they have ever been before. Ultimately, our mission here at Music Therapy and Beyond is to share resources to support the field of music therapy. We believe in wellness and self-care as a big part of the health of our field, and in my opinion, without it, we won't grow as a profession. So with that, let this be the year that you invest in yourself so that you can invest in others. Thank you for all your work and for making the world a better place. Make sure to check out our brand new website, musictherapyandbeyond.com, for continued resources to help support you through burnout and your self-care and for wellness ideas for you and your practice. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram too to stay up to date on all of our resources and reach out to us at musictherapyandbeyond at gmail.com. Be well and we'll see you next time.